UK Motor Talk. Well, hello and welcome back. I'm Mike. I'm Jim. Apologies if I sound full of cold. It's because I am full of cold. You can be like that. And I'm Graham, apparently masquerading as my good lady, because her name's come up on the screen, but there you go. The quirks of Zoom. And this is UK Motor Talk. F1, then. We're going to kick off with with Formula One. Are you you suspecting I'm going to run out of energy later on in the podcast? So if I uh, if I peak early with all my knowledge on F1, I can uh, I can have the rest of the podcast having a kip. How's that? Sounds like a great idea. (laughs) F1. There are. (laughs) To edit that out. F1. There are new rules and regs. What are they, guys? Tell me. Tell me. What are they? How will the cars differ? What do they look like? What's changed? Uh, well, I don't think it's an underestimation to say this is probably the the biggest shake-up of F1 rules ever, I think. I mean, there's there's certainly been big changes uh, in the cars in the past, going from front-engine to mid-engine, from, uh, you know, the, the skinny bicycle wheels, basically, they used to run on to, uh, to proper slicks. But I think uh, a lot of that's come out of, uh, of innovation rather than rule changes. And we've had big engine changes in the past, turbo hybrid era, which has led to uh, to a lot of Mercedes domination up until pretty much the last lap of the last race last season. But I think probably the less said about that, the better. Um, but this is, uh, th- this is a, a massive shake-up, not just in the way the cars look, but how they'll drive, how they'll race the cost cap as well to uh, throw into the mix so I mean hopefully overall one thing it will lead to is a more level playing field and for no, whether you're technically minded or or care you you can get as much or as little into the rules as you want the the upshot of it should be that they'll be able to follow a lot closer and race a lot better I mean we're still looking at heavy cars I think the weight limit's gone up again this year and the are, are they getting a bit too heavy to look look darty, look flighty, look alive. You know, you look at uh, Fernando Alonso's laps that he did in his uh, his mid-2000s Renault last season, and, and A, the noise, you know, we, we need to bring back some of that noise, but just how darty and, and alive the car looked, uh, it looked responsive, it looked snappy, it looked ready to bite you, it, it looked like he was on the edge. The current cars that we have, they're, they're big, they're wide, they're heavy, Yes, they're fast. They're the fastest cars we've ever seen by five, six, seven, eight seconds a lap compared to uh, to very recent times. But I think it's if if something looks fast, then does ten seconds a lap matter? If it looks far more on the edge and alive, I think that's better. But the the aerodynamic rules aimed at reducing the outwash of the cars. You know, dirty air we hear being spoken about a lot. The uh, the flick ups and the the ends of the wings are designed to keep the airflow much more inboard on the car, and the little flick ups and and things around the front wheels, you know, it still still retains that open wheel look, but it keeps the air more inside the car, directs it underneath the car. We're going back to ground effect, so again, that's less sensitive to following another car because at, at the moment, you know, you can have a car that's one and a half, two, two and a half, three seconds a lap quicker. And you just can't get close because so much of your lap time comes out of aerodynamics. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm massively looking forward to it just for a change, just for a shake-up, if, uh, if nothing else. I think it looks like being a, a very interesting season, particularly the early races as they start to develop these things. 
Uh, I mean, they've been building these cars since March, April last year. The regulations uh, were agreed, I thought, and most people thought at that stage. I understand from some reading I've been doing earlier this evening is, in fact, the regulations have not yet been finalised. Uh, although the book appears to be twice the thickness of last year's, it hasn't gone before the World Motorsports Council yet, so it's not been finalised. And they're still tweaking in some areas, not of the cars themselves, but certainly uh, of the motorsport regulations. Uh, there's, there's still discussion about the role and timing of safety cars and some other items. But uh, essentially, if you look at the cars, as you quite rightly say, Jim, they look a bit different, but they don't look hugely different. The obvious thing is that the wheels are much bigger. You've gone from a 13-inch wheel to an 18-inch wheel and tyre. That changes completely or will change completely the handling of the cars because you've got a, a big, stiff sidewall similar to that on a high-performance road car. So it, it is changing things. And the tests that they did uh, just before the end of last season with 2021 cars with big wheels on certainly the drivers are reporting that uh, they handle very differently but it's the it's the stuff you can't really see that i think has made the difference you refer to the ground effects there you've got two enormous tunnels underneath the car so whereas the cars were previously flat floored with very wide floors uh, and those those big edges to the floors that stuck out a hell of a long way that's all gone so you've got the two tunnels, you've got a much uh, smaller floor area, if you like, with the, with the timber uh, piece under it. But that's uh, reliant upon a modified front wing and a heavily modified rear wing. And as you say, they should be much easier to follow and to overtake because the wash off the rear wing and off the, the front wing, to some extent, uh, has been designed to go much higher in the air. So cars when they're at that sort of one second distance apart they should be able to creep under any outwash and uh, overtake hopefully rather more easily i'm certainly looking forward to it as a season i think uh, the changes as you say are the the biggest we've seen for some time uh, the only other big changes to to come will be i think in 26 when the new engine regs come in and god knows what they're going to be lots of speculation but um Nothing so far, but certainly not all electric. Um, everybody seems to be of the view that the hybrid will, in some form or other, persist. The engine changes. I, I think most fans, whether they're hardcore, you know, watch every single practice session, every single race, and, and absorb everything they can, or just the casual observer. I, you know, I think a lot of the engine regulations don't really matter to a lot of people, do they? Because whether it's producing 160 kilowatts or horsepower or however you want to measure it through an ERS or an MGUK or an MGUH or an EGB GTZ or whatever they want to call it, it doesn't really matter. No. Does it go like stink and does it sound good? The current cars just don't sound in any way like the racing cars of your. I would hope that they'll be taken on board as they redesign the the engine regs to try, try and make them sound a bit more like racing cars. Your average Scooby-Doo going down the street sounds more interesting. <laughs> but I think the the environmental image that Formula One wants to portray of being a carbon 
neutral or carbon negative or certainly reducing its carbon output i think would probably be better served from the moving of the cars and shipping all the cars and all the teams all the way around the world on occasions maybe slightly planning the calendar a bit better so they don't head from Mm. one side of the planet to the other and then all the way back again it's uh you know the the route they take across the globe isn't always the most direct route but the the 18s they they don't look massively different to me because we we've gone back to wheel covers which i don't think we've seen since about 2009 2010 no, quite so, so, quite so those those seem to uh, to hide some of the uh, the effect of me. i'm just looking at a, a mock-up of a 2022 car next to a, uh, a current car but i think we've seen uh, a few teams doing mock-ups of uh, of what they could do with the wheel covers in terms of leds and putting patterns on them or even displaying information. So I think anything like that 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 makes it look more visually appealing is a good thing. But I'm although you could argue is is the rule shake up massively needed, because one thing you tend to get with a rule shake up is um the the grid spaces out again. You know, you get it, it takes a few years after a rule change for all the teams to converge to the same point, which of course we've pretty much done. But we've only converged to that point over a single lap at the moment. Once they uh, once they get racing, they spread out fairly quickly. So, fingers crossed, it's uh, it's closer racing. But I do still kind of want Mercedes to come up with a good car so that a uh, friend of the podcast, George Russell, gets a good run at this year. He's finally got the uh, the call up to uh, the much coveted Mercedes seat. Bit of a question mark over Lewis whether he'll be back uh, given the events of uh, of the end of last season. My my instinct is. He will be back, whether whether yeah. he sees out the season or whether he uh, whether he carries on into twenty twenty three. I'm not sure, but I think he'll uh, he'll come back and see how he uh, how he likes the cars. If he's looking at another season where he can take that eighth crown, then I think he'll uh, he'll hang around. Red Bull have got an unchanged lineup of Verstappen and Perez. Ferrari have stuck with Leclerc and Sainz. That that partnership seemed to be working well. McLaren have stuck with their lineup. Uh, we'll be hoping. Ricardo can um, carry on his uh, his improvement. It was certainly a tricky first year for Ricardo at McLaren, but fingers crossed he can see what he can do. Alpine have stuck with their lineup as well. Alpha Tauri, surprisingly, I think slightly have, uh, have stuck with their lineup, and that's that's not being disparaging to Yuki Sonoda. I think he said himself last year he was very surprised to be offered a new contract because he crashed so much. <laughs> He was better in the second half of the season. He did improve quite a lot. He did, to be fair. Yeah, he started uh, started strong, a bit wobbly in the middle, and uh, and seemed to uh, to get a bit better at the end. So, um, Aston Martin again, their their lineups unchanged, but towards the lower end of the the grid, we've got a, uh, a bit of a shake up. Right at the end, has a, uh, a remaining as they were with Schumacher and uh, and the other guy. <laughs> but Williams, uh, they've stuck with Latifi, but Alex Albon is uh, is back in racing all those uh, Red Bull test and development driver or high-speed corner at Silverstone crash recreate or whatever he was doing for uh, for Red Bull last year back in a race seat so I'm I'm really hoping that that he'll do a, uh, a Pierre Gasly and, and be able to rebuild himself and uh, and show what he can do yeah I don't think he was given a quite a fair crack of the whip and and just is just not given a chance to build up his confidence against the um the powerhouse that is Verstappen, but all change at Alfa Romeo, probably the most interesting lineup. Bottas going from Mercedes to Alfa Romeo, he's got a, a long-term deal there, which you'd always wanted at Mercedes. So again, if, if he can settle back in and become the Bottas of, of Williams or the Bottas that 
every now and again could uh, could show himself to be just as fast, if not faster, than Lewis. That'll be one to watch. Guan Yuzhou uh, there because he's he's worth more money than a couple of other countries put together. I would have thought whether he's quite got the pedigree to go into F1 and and race at the front. I'm not I'm not quite too sure. But it gives it gives Bottas a very clear mission for the year, doesn't it? Just absolutely annihilate his teammate. And uh, and go from there because I was a bit bit disappointed not to see um, Oscar Piastri in a seat this year. I think his Formula Three, Formula Two, Formula Four career so far has, has shown him to be absolutely top notch. So would have been good to see him in a car. Maybe would have been good to see uh, see Mick Schumacher take a step up to Alfa Romeo. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting whichever way we go. Well, we haven't got to wait too long now. Then uh, the first tests in Barcelona. Just a couple of weeks away, so uh, it'll be interesting to see the cars actually at full chat. So to summarise then, big spoilers, big rims and spinners. So we've basically become max power. This is what's happened <laughs> yeah, here, Yeah, spinners and, and hopefully neons as well. We, we saw a few team shots last year where they put LED lights under the car just to, uh, to make them look pretty. But actually, I think they should do that in races, especially night races. It's midnight club. It just looks cool. Yeah. It just, it just looks good. Whoever's developing this, they're millennials who grew up in the noughties with Midnight Club and Need for Speed, and this is what they're doing. They're putting spinners on the cars, big hoops. If they want to make it exciting, put space savers on the back, and away we go. <laughs> the trend of cars getting bigger and heavier is, uh, is continuing in formula one but i think that's a a trend that's been fairly common in cars in general hasn't it you know we uh we saw at our um open day that we did what seems like a lifetime ago but pre-covid so it might as well have been you know we had a a brand new fiesta next to uh a was it late 70s early 80s fiesta yes 1981 was it 1981? There was. It was older than me. The size difference was was remarkable. You wouldn't have thought they were the same model line. Just how the the cars have got a lot bigger. But something that uh, that we were having a look at this week was uh, the uh, the giant VW Beetle. I mean, okay, it's giant, but it's 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 not actually far off the scale difference between the Mark One Fiesta and the Mark Eight and a Half Nine, whatever Mark we're on now. This was quite a thing, wasn't it? It's it's huge. It is. This is very cool. I'll just want to point this out here. This isn't a bit like where you had the Mini and you get a modern Mini Clubman or Countryman or whatever they want to call it, which is basically the same size as a, a Safira or Range Rover or a small truck or something. This is someone who's taken an actual VW Beetle, it's an engine in the back, VW Beetle convertible, and then they've scanned the entire car, very cool, and then enlarged it so it's 140% of its size. Uh, this this is the kind of passion project which is so ridiculous but i can really get behind because i really like the geeky detail about this despite the fact it's been based on a truck or what have you because it just looks so weirdly out of scale it, it's like someone's produced a, a video game or has made like i don't know a, a model railway or something but just put a giant sized car and just dropped it in there or you know in goldeneye when you had the little cheat we had the big head and you could and you could run around with the big heads on on the N sixty four. Now this is this is aging. Just made headshots easier, didn't it? It did, but it, it's it's. And it, any, anyone who picked odd job, you just put in the big head cheat, and you went as Trevelyan, and then you were well away because you didn't have to move up or down for a headshot. <laughs> just a shoot. But this <laughs> this was um this is incredible. Such a, a cool piece of engineering. 
the original dials slide away under the dash for, for the truck that it's based on, which I think is a Dodge Ram. I could, could be wrong there, but certainly a big American truck. And it's just hilarious. It, it, it looks so weird and out of place, but in a brilliant way. Why 140%? Is that just when on, on a photocopy, the default setting to take you from A4 to A3 is 141%? Was that just... Why not pick that figure? Well, he said they wanted to go 150, but it was too big for the road. Ah. So 140 kind of makes sense. And they aren't the first people to do it, of course. I think it's in Dubai or the Arab Emirates that someone produced a, a Woolies Jeep and it's you know, two or three times the size, absolutely huge. And you could drive it, but obviously not on the road. This, this thing is pretty cool. I, I particularly like the fact that people have offered him some serious money for it and he's just said, no, it's just... It amuses me. I, I made it for me, so that's kind of what it is. You would just look at it, wouldn't you? <laughs> Driving down and go, what on earth has happened to that? And I think what's particularly amusing about it, obviously cars haven't necessarily grown to 140% of their size, but it does go to show if you scaled up at the original design, it would just look so weird. Like the, the original Mini, if you imagine that at 140%. <laughs> well, a bit like a modern Mini Countryman. It would look so odd, wouldn't it? It really would. No, but I don't think I'm just looking at a at a picture of a 1967 Ford Mustang next to mm. the Mustang in inverted commas Mach E, and it's not actually a dissimilar picture to the Beetle next to the 140 percent Beetle. It's it's actually quite a, a similar, and we'll uh, we'll pop a link up on this somewhere on the uh, socials website show notes. Delete as applicable. <laughs> Um, but it's not it's not actually that far out, is it, in, in terms of proportion and scale. If you look at the height, it's 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 pretty much it. The that scaled up beetle is what Ford would do with the beetle if they were bringing it out as an SUV today. Which is I mean, let's face it, the way everything has gone, VW probably will bring out the beetle as an SUV at some point, won't they? Oof. Yeah. What what do they call it? The stag beetle. It's just like, it's like a beetle, bee, but bigger. The beetle. With an beetle. extra, they'd put an extra E in it. It'd be a beetle. <laughs> no, that'll <laughs> be the electric, electric version then. Yes. <laughs> the eye beetle. The beetly eye. I don't know, some, something like that. Yeah, it, I took a photo some when of, of the onion part next to my RS Focus. Both of them being the same type of car, you know, medium-sized family car. In fact, Focus may be a small family car these days. And again... It, it looked huge by comparison to the Onion. You wouldn't really expect that, but the Onion's actually a little bit narrower than a, a, a Fiesta, like a 2005 Fiesta. You wouldn't, you just wouldn't think it. Cars have definitely got bigger, and that's probably the reason why people don't keep their cars in the garage. They keep all the worthless junk in the garage and keep the cars in the driveway. Rather than just laziness or something, they probably don't fit. My, my benchmark was always the Golf because the Mark One was small and neat. The 2 was... Just a little bit bigger, and after the the three, four, etc., etc., it just got bigger and more gross, and they had to keep putting more power in just to overcome the fact that it was bigger and weighed more, and was aerodynamically worthless after about the Mark Four. Mm. I remember the Mark Four being particularly gutless as a GTI. Quite, it was a hundred and thirty horsepower or something, wasn't it? It was quite quite rubbish. Yeah, for, from from a two liter, and I think the the Mark Two. GTI 16 valve made more power out of a 1.8 than it was mm. 20 years earlier, which was, uh, mm. yeah, it mm. never seemed quite right to me. Bit sad. But this Beetle, anyway, V8 engine underneath, which seems like a great idea to me, uh, even if it's in the in the wrong end. Why not? A ridiculously loud power. And American trucks sound, sound great, don't they? 
when you hear them burbling past. One drove past me, yeah, I think it was an F-150, the other day on, on the bypass, I just said, don't you hear that? Just as it comes past, it sounds absolutely superb. Was it, was it a Dodge? That might have been a Dodge Ram, actually. It was going the other way very quickly, nevertheless. It sounded amazing. But I can understand why you'd want to stick that underneath a, a giant beetle with a massive uh, sort of ladder chassis or something to be able to take the weight. Seems like a, a cracking idea, really. I, d I do like the idea, though, now that you can scan an entire car and make it bigger or smaller. I think I'd go the other way. I think I'd, I'd choose something really big and make it a third of the size, just for giggles. A bit like the little car company. We saw them where they'd taken... Um, and we spoke about this before, they took the Tamiya car, we forget which one it might be in the hotshot perhaps, and they've enlarged it so you can drive around in it, it's electric powered. But they also do DB5, for example, um, and a number of other sort of high-end cars, and they shrink them down so that you, you could still drive one as an adult, or perfect size as a kid. And I like the idea that you can muck about with the size of it, the shape of it, or what have you. And I like the idea that you can scan a car and then maybe you could 3D print it. And I'm reminded of when you used to buy videos and DVDs and at the beginning they would have the, you know, the anti-piracy thing saying, you know, you, you wouldn't steal a handbag. You wouldn't download a car. Just watch me. I would download a car and I would print it off. It's exactly what I would do. I would print off my whatever I wanted, a, a, a DB4 Zagato or something similar. Oh, Definitely yes. would yes. do that. Yes, please. Yeah. And you could put it on whatever you like. And if we're going to have electric skateboard chassis and all the rest of it and you could put anything out you want on top of it fine you can have your people carry on top of one i'll take that bit off thanks and i'll, I'll whack on a like i say a db4 or a db5 or a diablo whatever you fancy not very far from here there's somebody who's got a vw camper with another vw camper or hut the top half of another vw camper welded on the top which does look quite bizarre, particularly when you consider that it's the bit with all the windows in that's been welded on the top. Should that be a V-dubber dubber? It's a, a double-decker. What's he made? A, a double-decker or a, a two-storey camper? Two-storey camper, yeah. but it certainly looks like a double-decker. A V-dub double-decker. A double V-dubber. I don't know. There must be something there. <laughs> I, I like the idea that I've seen them done as articulated trucks so they use like the van type at the front the commercial type and then use the back half of um, a, a vw bus and then had it pivot so just below the window line and it hooked onto the back so it was articulated and that looked really cool i mm. thought that's that's a, a very In clever interesting of piece space. of engineering yeah yeah the potential for for producing whatever you want to produce when you can scale it up or down print it make it i mean they put together an incredible car which they've made and it's taken a long time to do that and do the metal work and everything else for it i'm not suggesting they printed the car off but i just like the idea that you can do this and you can model stuff and we've seen it before we saw it at goodwood a very exciting time i think and i don't think it'd be too long before the people that make video game liveries and are like so your forces of the world could effectively design you a car print it off and you could have whatever you wanted how cool would that be? Shall we finish up with a, a whistle-stop tour of, uh, of other motorsport? It's uh, all quite easy to get too focused on Formula 1, which hasn't even started yet. But starting a bit sooner, we've uh, we've got Season 8. It's, it sounds like it's a bit like Netflix trying to keep up with it. Season 8, Part 1 and Part 2, isn't it, after the uh, the writer's strike. Uh, but we've got uh, we've got Formula E starting uh, starting very soon, haven't we? So I'm quite, today, quite looking forward to, uh, to watch it. Is it today? today. Really? It is very soon indeed. Or if you're listening to this podcast in the future, which presumably you will be it will have already have started 
in which case we hope you enjoyed. So, talking completely in blind ignorance of what's actually happened or will have going to have happened yet, actually. Some big names, a couple of moves around, but uh, I think it just promises to be another... I, th- I think unpredictable is probably the best way to describe Formula E for uh, for the best of times, isn't it? You can have somebody top of the pops one year and, and winning the championship and not seem to feature the next year, but also vice versa, which is uh, something Formula One seems to be aspiring to anyway, so... It's, uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it, and I, was, I think we're going to try and get up to one this year, aren't we? Because uh, watching them around Docklands will uh, probably be quite spectacular, I would have thought. I think it was interesting to see. I went through the team lists and the number of manufacturers that are, that are in there and have committed now long-term to Formula E. I guess that's where they're going to develop their battery technologies far more so than they will in the hybrid, uh, or far more quickly than they will in the hybrids that are in Formula 1. That seems to be the way they want to go. But, I mean, all the the major players in the industry are are there and pitching in. They're working with other teams, but, I mean, you know, Jaguar is Jaguar. And the other thing that that did hearten me, because I remember interviewing him years ago, Sam Bird is still the driver in uh, Formula E and a good lad and um, been around a long time. And that seems to be where he's ended up and he's still there after all these years. I think he's done every season Good luck to him, good luck to the rest of them. Mm. It seems, uh, I, th- I think they've, uh, whether it's through luck or judgment or coincidence, the 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 big-name drivers that they've got in there, all the ex-Formula 1 drivers or Formula 1 test drivers, It's uh, there's I think there's a good mix of, of youthful enough but seeking other opportunities Formula 1 drivers and people that are regarded as should be in F1 if only there were... 22, 24, 26, 28 seats available. I think that adds weight to the formula as a whole. You know, if uh, if a couple of washed up second rate Formula One drivers went in and bossed the whole thing, then I don't think that'd be too good for the uh, for the series. The fact that we've had some very very good championship contending Formula One drivers go into Formula E and struggle or get shown up or be off the pace or whatever. Okay, it's it's a very different different car, different driving style needed. But the fact that Formula One drivers make it look a bit tricky, I, I think, is a good thing, really. And I think it adds weight to uh, to the talents that do shine out in there. Yeah, I agree. Of course, we've got hybrid technology now making its way into WRC as well. So you've got Ford, Toyota, Hyundai, and a particularly tricky, complicated hybrid system that gives you three seconds of boost so you can use it to get your 0 to 60 bit off the bat but then doesn't give you more power until you've braked enough that it can give you a bit more power on top and it makes it from 400 and something to 500 something horsepower so it's not an inconsiderable amount so you're going to find drivers maybe braking hard into a corner so they have enough power to accelerate out when they don't actually need to brake i can see the traditional drivers maybe that's not going to work so well i mean we've seen one massive crash already with one of the the new pumas which i think looks very cool um thankfully the crew all okay but yeah i mean you've got some some entirely different ways of, of of driving piloting a car there but some some traditionally brilliant drivers like loeb out there showing everyone how it's done i think it's going to be <laughs> going to be an interesting shift in, in the way that things are done because you you can't you couldn't i'm not sure that i could imagine the likes of burns or maybe mccray breaking unnecessarily <laughs> i'm not sure whether you're going to want to be flat out with your 400 break or whether you you want to be breaking to get 500 break to get more power when you don't need to it, it seems weird somehow i don't know yeah i think any uh, any driving technique that requires you to slow down more than is necessary 
certainly wouldn't have suited McRae, would it? That that no. wasn't in his uh, his instinct, was it? It was flat out or nothing, and uh, and that was it. But it's I mean it's the probably a sign of the times we've got fewer and and fewer different cars in the WRC. Although we've got a couple of different teams in inverted commas and liveries and and things like that. There's it's it's broadly speaking it's it's three cars now in the WRC and that's it isn't it the, yeah. the Puma the yeah. i20 mm. and the, the grrr, which is um you know like as i say a sign of the times but it's uh, at least all of the uh, the manufacturer teams are fielding many drivers four drivers each five drivers each if not so it's at least it keeps the numbers up and uh, and keeps things interesting you know it's uh, all too easy to fall into the the trap of the british touring cars in the early and mid 2000s wasn't it where it was it was basically a Vauxhall Astra or nothing, and that was it. And they ran through drivers, and and it was between the three of them. But yeah, just uh, we're just being careful what we say because Andrew actually hasn't seen the rally. He's saving it up to watch it at the uh, the weekend. So we're we're being slightly evasive as to the uh, the actual <laughs> result of it. But it is it is well worth a watch, and it's uh, a bit of deja vu and a bit of uh, a bit of all new. So it's um yeah, tune in. Complicated is what it also is. Really complicated. I'm not sure. Whether I'm entirely on board with that, it'd be interesting to see whether you're better off going flat out with your 400 brake horsepower, or braking, or making the most of your braking at least, and getting your, your little boosts up to 500 brake horsepower. But really, really tricky bits of kit that I can't entirely get my head around. I'm not sure quite how the management system of this is going to work. Whether it's going to be, it gets unlocked. As far as I understand, it gets unlocked automatically, uh, and then gets deployed under, under full throttle. But yeah, con- confusing and exciting in equal measure. I think there was no question that the sport would have to have some form of of, of hybrid powertrain like everything else is at the moment. But I, I do think the impact of a few cars is tiny compared to the greater problem. And potentially we could probably do better to, to promote environmental issues rather than trying to constrict or develop the cars in such a way that that, that it has the word hybrid hung on the side. Um I'm not sure that it really washes with me in terms of the eco credentials. Uh, when you have a 400 brake horsepower engine anywhere, I think you're better off just having an engine and making it a bit more open so more people can join in and make it a bit more interesting so it isn't a, a three-car event, effectively. But that said, I suppose if you have the cars that are closer together in their performance, you get to see the difference in the drivers, don't you? So I guess it depends what you want to see, whether you want to see the development of the cars or the development of the drivers. For me, I've always been particularly interested in you know, in the cars themselves, but the characters are the drivers, aren't they? And it's, it's always the drivers that speak at the end of the day and not the cars. Absolutely. Precisely so. You can't interview cars. Well, there you go. I've tried. And on that final motorsport-related note, I suppose it's time for us to end. Next week, we're going to be talking about car programmes, whether that be car restoration car auction what's your choice let us know on the socials we are at uk motor talk everywhere and on youtube you can also see an update as to what i've been doing with the onion all kinds of things all kinds of fluids i leave that to you in the meantime from me mike goodbye from me jim it's goodbye and from me graham good night everybody and uh, take good care uk motor talk a first take media production